Chapter 30 of The Wyvern Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sandra Cullen. The Wyvern Mystery by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. The Old Soldier Grows More Friendly and Frightens Mrs. Tarnley. The Dutch woman resumed in a minute and observed. Well, old Tarnley, there's no good in talking where you can't right yourself and where you can revenge. There's no good in talk either, but gone it is, and the doctors say no cutting, nothing safe in my case, no cure, so let it be. I like dress once. I dressed pretty well. Beautiful, exclaimed old Mildred, kindling for a moment into her earlier admiration of the French and London finery, with which, once this tall and faded beauty, had amazed the solitudes of Carwell. The bleached big woman smiled, almost laughed with gratified vanity. Yes, I was well-dressed, something better than the young dowdies and old frumps in this part of the world. How I used to laugh at them. I went to church and to the races to see them. Well, we'll have better times yet at Wyvern. The old man there can't live forever. He's not the wandering Jew, and he can't be far from a hundred. And so sure as Charles is my husband, I'll have you there if you like it, or give you a snug house and a bit of ground and a garden, and a snug allowance monthly if you like this place best. I love my own, and you've been true to me, and I never failed a friend. I'm growing old and silly, ma'am, never so strong as I was took for. The will was ever stronger with Mildred than the body, bless she. No, no, two or three quiet years to live as I should a lived always, with an eye on my Bible and an eye on my ways. Not that I ever did aught I need be one bit ashamed on. No, not I. Honest and sober and most respectable, thank God, as the family will testify, and the neighbours, but I'll not deny... "'Twould be something not that bad if my old bones could rest a bit,' said old Mildred. "'Ha, girl, they shall. Your old bones shall rest, my child,' said the lady. "'They'll rest some day in the old churchyard of Carwell, but not much sooner, I'm thinking,' said Mrs. Tarnley. "'Oh, folly, folly, old girl. You've many a year to go before that journey.' You'll live to see me, Mrs. Verveild of Wyvern, and it won't be a bad day for you, old Mildred. The Dutch woman, or the old soldier, as they used to call her long ago, in this sequestered nook, drawled this languidly and yawned a long, listless yawn. Well, ma'am, if you're tired, so am I, said Mildred, a little tartly, and as for dreaming a quiet in this world, I cleared my head of that nonsense many a year ago. There's little good can happen old Mildred now, unless I look for, and none I'll seek, ma'am, and as for a roof over my head for nothing, and that bit of ground you spoke of, and wages to live on, without no work. I don't believe there's no such luck going for no one. Listen to me, Mildred, said the stranger more sternly than before. It is because I don't swear you won't believe. Hear now once for all, and understand. I'll make that a good day for you that makes me the Lady of Wyvern. Sharp and hard I've been with those I owed a knock to. 
but I never yet forgot a friend. You may do me a service tomorrow or next day, mind, and if you stand by me, I'll stand by you. You need but ask and have. Ask what you will. Well now, ma'am, blah, what talk it is. Look, ma'am, don't I know the world, ma'am, and what sort of place it is? I have been promised many a fine thing in my day, and here I am still, old and weary, among the pots and pans every night and morning, and up to my elbows in suds every Saturday. That's all that ever came of fine promises to Mildred Tarnley. Well, you used to say it's a long lane that has no turn. You'll have a glass of this? And she popped the brandy bottle on the table beside her, with her hand fast on its neck. No brandy, no nothing, ma'am, I thank ye. What? No brandy? Pish, girl, nonsense. No, ma'am, I thank ye. I never drinks nothing of the sort. A mug of beer after washing or the like, but my headache never would a bear brandy. Once and away, come, solicited the old soldier. No, I thank ye, ma'am. I'll swallow nothing of the kind, please. What a mule! He won't have a nip with an old friend after so long an absence. Come, Mildred, come. Where's the glass? Here's the glass, um, but not a drop for me, ma'am. I won't drink nothing of the sort, please. Not from me, I suppose, but if you mean to say you never do, I don't believe you, said the Dutch woman, more nettled, it seemed, than such a failure of good fellowship in Mrs. Tarnley would naturally have warranted. Perhaps she had particularly strong reasons for making old Mildred frank, genial and intimate that night i don't tell lies said mildred don't you said the old soldier and elevated the brows of her sightless eyes and screwed her lips with ugly ridicule mrs tarnley looked with a dark shrewdness upon this meaning mask trying to discover the exact force of its significance she felt very uncomfortable the blind woman's face expanded into a broad smile. She shrugged, shook her head and laughed. How odiously wide her face looked as she laughed. Mildred did not know exactly what to make of her. But if you did tell lies, drawled the lady, even to me, what does it matter if you promise to tell no more? So let us shake hands. Where's your hand? and she kept shuffling her big hand upon the table, palm upward, with its fingers groping in the air like the claws of a crab upon its back. Give me, give me, give me your hand, I say, said she. Taint for the like of me, replied Mildred, with grim formality. You better be friendly. Come, give me your hand. Well, ma'am, taint for me to dispute your pleasure answered the old servant and she slipped her hard fingers upon the upturned palm of the dutch woman who clutched them with a strenuous friendship and held them fast i like you tarnley we've had rough words sometimes but no ill blood and i'll do what i said i never failed a friend as you will see if only you be my friend and why or for whom should you not tut we're not fools. The time is past for me to quarrel, being to the wrong side of sixty more than you'd suppose, and quiet all I wants. Quiet, ma'am. Yes, quiet and comfort too, and both 
you shall have mildred tarnley if you don't choose to quarrel with those who would be kind to you if you'd let them yes indeed who would be kind and very kind if you'd only let them no leave your hand where it is i can't see you and it's sometimes dull work talking only to a voice if i can't see you i'll feel you and hold you old girl hold you fast till i know what terms we're on all this time she had mildred tarnley's hand between hers and was fondling and kneading it as a rustic lover in the agonies of the momentous question might have done fifty years ago i don't know what you want me to say ma'am no more than the plate there little good left in mildred tarnley now and small power to help or hurt any one great or small at these years i want you to be friendly with me that's all i ask no more and it ain't a great deal all things considered friendly talk of course ain't all i mean that's civility and civility's very well very pleasant like a lady's fan or her lapdog but nothing at a real pinch nothing to fight a wolf with come old mildred mildred tarnley good mildred can i be sure of you quite sure sure and certain ma'am in all honest service honest service yes of course what else could we think of you used to like i remember mildred a nice ribbon in your bonnet i have two pieces quite new i brought them from london satin ribbon purple one is i know you'll like it and you'll drink a glass of this to please me thanks for the ribbons ma'am i'll not refuse em but i won't drink nothing ma'am i thank you well please yourself in that pour out a little for me there's a glass ain't there yes em how much will you have ma'am half a glass there's a dear stingy half glass she continued putting her finger in to gauge the quantity go on go on remember my long journey to-day do you smoke mildred smoke em no ma'am dear me there's no smell of tobacco is there said mildred who was always suspecting thomas smoking slyly in his crib under the stairs smell no but i smoke a pinch of tobacco now and again myself the doctor says i must and a breath just of opium when i want it you can have a pipe of tobacco if you like child and you needn't be shy well oh foul no ma'am i thank ye thou echoed the dutch woman with a derisive chilling laugh which apprised old mildred of her solecism but the lady did not mean to quarrel what sort of dress have you for sundays going to church and all that an old dress it is now i had the material you'll mind when you was here long ago but it wasn't made up till long after it's very genteel the folks all say chocolate colour british cashmere twas old mrs hartlepool the parson's widow made me a compliment on't when she was going and i kept it all the time with whole pepper and camphor in my box by my bed when it looked as fresh when i took it out to give it to miss maddox to make up as if twas just put new on the counter she did open her eyes that's nigh seven years gone when i told her how old it was hey day hi i think i do remember that old chocolate thing why it can't be that that's twenty years old well look in my box here's the key you'll see two books with green leather backs and gold can you read i'm going to make you a present 
I can read, ma'am, but I scarce have time to read my Bible. The Bible's a good book, but that's a better, said the lady, with one of her titters. But it ain't a book I'm going to give you. Look it out, green and gold, there are only two in the box. It is the one that has an I and a V on the back. Four, the fourth volume. I have little else to amuse me. I have the news of the neighbours, but I don't like em. Who could? A bad lot. They hate one another. Twouldn't be a worse world if they were all hanged. They hate me because I'm a lady, so I don't cry when baby takes the croup, nor break my heart when papa gets into the gazette. Have you found it? Why, it's under your hand there. They would not cry their eyes out for me, so I can see the funny side of their adventures, bless them. Is this it, ma'am? There are but two books in the box. Has it an I and a V on the back? V-O-L-I-V, spelled out old Mildred, who was listening in a fever for the sounds of Charles Fairfield's arrival. That's it. That's the book you should read. I take it in and I hire all the others, and a French one from the Hoxton Library. I make Molly Jinks, the little dirty starving maid, read to me two hours a day. She's got rather to like it. How are your eyes? I can make out twelve or fourteen verses with the glasses, but not more at one bout. Well, get on your glasses. This is the magazine of the Beau Monde, and court and fashionable gazette, and full of pictures. Turn over. La, ma'am, tis beautiful, but what have I to do with the like? Well, look out for the puce, Gros de Naples, walking dress about page 29, and I'll show you the picture afterwards. Do be quick, I have had it four years, it's quite good though, only I'm grown a little fuller since and it don't fit now, so read it and you'll see how I'll dress you. And bending her head forward and knitting her brows, she listened, absorbed, while old Mildred helped or corrected at every second word by her blind patroness, babbled and stuttered on with her in duet recitation. Walking dress, said Mildred. Go on, said the lady, who, having this, like other descriptions in that cherished work, pretty well by heart, led off energetically with her lean old companion, and together they read. A police of puce-coloured Gros de Naples, the corsage made to sit close to the shape, with a large round pelerine which wraps across in front. The sleeve is excessively large at the upper part of the arm. The fullness of the lower is more moderate. It is confined in three places by bands and terminated by a broad wristband. The pelerine and bands of the sleeves are cased with satin to correspond, and three satin rouleaus are arranged en tablier on the front of the skirt. The bonnet is of rice straw of the cottage shape, trimmed under the brim on the right side with a band and a nerd of gold-coloured ribbon. The crown being also ornamented with gold-coloured ribbon and a sprig of lilac placed perpendicularly. Half boots of black grow de Naples tipped with black kid. Here they drew breath and Mildred Tarnley was silent for a minute thinking how much more like a lady her mother used to dress 
than she was able, and what fine presents of old clothes old Mrs. Fairfield used to send her, now and then, from Wyvern. For a moment, an air of dignity, a sense of feminine vanity, showed itself in the face and mien of Mrs. Tarnley. That rice-straw bonnet with the gold-coloured nerd, of course I haven't got, nor the gross de Naples boots. They're gone, of course, long ago. But it reads best altogether, and I hadn't the heart to stop you, nor you to stop reading till we got to the end. And look at the pictures, you'll easily find it. And I'll write and have the police sent here by the day coach. It will be here on Sunday. Do you like it? It's a bit too fine for me, I'm afraid, said Mildred, smiling in spite of herself with a grim elation. My poor mother used to dress herself grand enough in her day and keep me handsome also when I was a young thing. But since the ladies come no more to Carwell, the Grange has been a dull place and gives a body enough to do to live and little thought of fine dresses and few to see them except to Sundays, if twas here. Not but twould be more for the credit of the family if old Mildred Tarnley, that's known down here for the housekeeper at the Grange of Carwell, wasn't turned out quite so poor and dowdy, and seeing them taking the wall of me, which their mothers used to courtesy to mine, at church and market, and come up here to the Grange as humble as you please, when money was stirring at Carwell, and I, young as I was, thought more on, a deal more, than the best of them. I drink your health, Mildred, as you won't pledge me, I do it alone. I thank ye, ma'am. Ha, ah, yes, that does me good. I'm tired to death, Mildred. There's two on us so, ma'am. Shall I get you to bed, please? In a minute. Give me your hand again, girl. Come, come, come. Yes, I have it. I think you are more friendly, eh? I think so. But the little good will I ever show you now is nothing to what I mean for you when I come to Wyvern. Nothing. And she strengthened the present assurance with an oath and grasped Mildred's hard brown hand very tight. And you'll be kind to me, Mildred, when I want it, and I shall want it, mind, and I'll never forget it to you. Twill be the making of you. I'll show you how much I trust you, for I'll put myself in your power. And hereupon she shook her hand harder. Her face and manner were changed, and she looked horribly frightened for some minutes. I don't blame you, Mildred, but this thing must not go on. It must not be. Mildred, in her own way, looked disconcerted and even agitated at this odd speech. She screwed her mouth sharply to one side and with her brow knit had turned a frightened gaze on her visitor. There's things that can't be undone and things as can, said she after a pause oracularly. Best not meddle or make worms, that is, and dust that will be, and God over it. God over all. Why not? repeated the old soldier vaguely, and stood up suddenly with a kind of terrified shudder. Take me, hold me, quick. A fit? La bless us, cried Tarnley, seizing her in her lean arms. The lady answered, nothing but grasped her fast by the wrist and shoulder, and so she stood for a time, shuddering and swaying. Better at last, she said, a little, put me in the chair. 
and she made a great shuddering sigh or two and called for water and hartshorn and the hysteria subsided and now she seemed overpowered with languor unanswered faintly and in monosyllables to old mrs tarnley's uncomfortable inquiry now i shall get some sleep she said at last in low drowsy tones interrupted with heavy sighs and she looked so ill that old mildred more than ever wished her back again at hoxton old town help me to my bed support me get off my things she moaned and mumbled and at last lay down with a great groaning sigh what am i to do with her now thought mrs tarnley who was doubtful whether in this state she could be safely left to herself but the patient set her at ease upon the point get your ear down she whispered near near you need not stay any longer only one thing the closet with the long row of pegs and the three presses in it that lies between her room and mine i remember it well it isn't open i shouldn't like her to find me here no ma'am it ain't open the doors were papered over this room and hers as i told you when the rooms was done up the old soldier sighed and whispered my head is very bad make no noise dear don't move the tray don't touch anything leave me to myself and i'll sleep till eleven o'clock to-morrow morning but go out softly and then no noise for my sleep groaned this huge woman is a bird's sleep a bird's sleep and a pin dropping wakes me a mouse stirring wakes me oh 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 that's all glad to be dismissed on these easy terms mildred tarnley bid her softly good-night having left her basket with her sal volatile and all other comforts on the table at her bedside and so softly she stole on tiptoe out of the room and closed her door waiting for a moment to clear her head and be quite sure that the dutchwoman whom they very much hated and feared was actually established in her bedroom at carwell grange End of chapter thirty